Welcome to the Thyroid Fixer Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Amy, and we're diving deep into the world of hormones, especially for all you fierce women in perimenopause and menopause and everyone struggling with hypothyroidism. So if you are battling weight gain, you're feeling like shedding those pounds is an impossible feat. If you're dealing with plummeting energy levels, gut wrenching fatigue, or a libido that seems to have left town, then you're in the right place. And let's not even start on the hair loss. If these symptoms are sounding all too familiar, you have found your tribe. My goal is to educate, empower, and shake up your world. Remember, I want you to embrace every inch of that badass woman that you truly are. So if you're ready to dive in and fix things, let's go. Are you finally at your wit's end where you are tired of dealing with doctor after doctor? Maybe you've spent thousands on integrative or functional practitioners that have not helped you at all because they don't know the thyroid and hormones. They're not even testing properly. So come work with myself and my team. We prescribe to all 50 states and parts of Canada. I have you covered. I've been building this team for years so that I could help you no matter where you are. All you have to do is click the link in the show notes, book a free application call. We're going to go over your current health situation, what worked, what hasn't worked, all the things. And then we will pair you up with the right program for you where we will do it all. You will come out the other side of the program, totally optimized, getting your life back. You're going to recognize the person you see in the mirror again. Doesn't that sound absolutely amazing? Well, it might sound like you don't even believe it, but I promise you, I promise you, we will take good care of you. So click the link in the show notes, book a call today, and we'll be talking to you soon all kinds of diets out there. And we're going to go through all of them and break down the pros and cons because I know it gets overwhelming. It gets very confusing. What should you do? What's best for you, for your body? If you're dealing with thyroid and hormone issues, inflammation, autoimmune conditions, what diet should you actually incorporate? So let's go through the fad. I call them fad diets because there's a book on all of them, which I'm going to be writing a book on the one that I'm going to be talking to you about today that is actually what I would consider the best, but I'm going to leave that for last. We're going to break them all down one by one and go through the pros and the cons of each individual diet. So we have to start with vegan and vegetarian. Ah, uh, my lovely vegans. I try to talk you out of it. I know that for some reason, whether it's religious beliefs, which I mean, listen, if it's religious beliefs that you have to be vegan or vegetarian, I understand it to a point. And I'm still going to probably try to talk you out of it. But if you have to stick with your path and your belief, I respect that. But you have to go into it or continue your diet of choice, your vegan lifestyle, your vegetarian lifestyle, you have to go into it knowing these deficiencies that we are going to talk about and supplement appropriately. So first of all, with vegan diets, deficiencies in minerals. So we see iodine, calcium, zinc. Iodine deficiency is hugely common among vegans and can actually lead to acquired hypothyroidism. Now I'm reading from a study, so we're gonna put these studies into the show notes so you can reference them yourself. Now, of course, can you supplement with iodine? Absolutely. All of our cells need iodine. Every cell in our body needs iodine. Your thyroid needs iodine for proper conversion. So you can supplement with it to replace that deficiency, to replace that mineral loss. Calcium, 
I'm not a huge fan of supplementing with calcium anyways. I think you're much better off looking for those plant-based sources of calcium. However, calcium bioavailability, that's inversely proportional to the amount of oxalate and to a lesser extent to phytate and fiber found in vegetables. So high calcium foods, those include green leafy vegetables. Many of you are eating tofu, tahini, but here's where the other issue comes in. So this is another con of a vegan or vegetarian lifestyle. When you're eating things like tofu, tahini, adamame, contains a lot of soy. And we know that soy is not good for the thyroid whatsoever. It's not good for a multitude of things. If you're a man, I don't want you growing man boobs. If you're a woman who's estrogen deficient, soy is very estrogenic. And I've shared this before. There was a time where, I mean, I was in my 20s at the time, where I got on a tofu kick for whatever reason. I kind of liked it when it was grilled or Whole Foods would have it on their salad bar. They would have like a general so's tofu. And I was doing that and I was drinking soy protein, soy protein powder. My face broke out like I was 13 years old going through puberty. I mean, it was a disaster. I went full estrogen dominant, gained weight, bloated up, water retention out the wazoo, all because I overdid soy, which turned into estrogen and made me estrogen dominant and really, really screwed up my skin. So downfall of vegan vegetarian diets, you guys are eating these soy-based sources to get your protein instead of animal-based sources. Not necessarily the right thing to do. You're also relying on fortified foods such as cereals, rice, different fortified vegetables, a lot of orange juice, apple juice, a huge amount of sugar and carbohydrates. Again, not necessarily good for your body. These fortified foods, as we know, are processed. And I know there's vegans and vegetarians out there that say, oh, well, I don't rely on those fortified box foods. Everything I eat is a whole food. If you can honestly do that and do it consistently for the rest of your life and get in the adequate amount of protein that your body needs, then by all means, then you are a rock star vegan. But I would say, once again, most, most, most vegans and vegetarians do not eat an adequate amount of protein because you can't. You're avoiding that very source, the animal-based source that is so easy and abundant. And many of you are even avoiding bone broth-based protein powders, beef, collagen protein powders. You're avoiding collagen altogether because it's from a bovine source. I don't know. I mean, in my opinion, I think, again, it's based on your belief system. But if there's any way to make concessions to realize that if you're doing this from, let's say, a belief standpoint, not religious belief, but more you grew up and you watched a video on cows in a slaughterhouse and that freaked you out. And from that point on, you were a vegetarian. Can you find a happy medium for your own health? If you allow, and let's say, you know, you want to avoid the red meat, you want to avoid the cow's that were slaughtered. And I mean, I, I have to say this too. If you think that you avoiding meat is going to help the next cow that's lined up at the slaughterhouse, it's not going to make a difference. There's too many meat eaters and there's too many 
it, it, it's big food. And I mean, when we look at big food, most of that is the processed foods, the cereals that all came about in World War II. And that's not going anywhere. You know, the Kellogg family, not going anywhere. If so, even for us paleo and carnivore people, us not eating cereal is not going to shut down the cereal market, just like vegans not eating meat is not going to shut down the meat processors treating cows inhumanely. I don't agree with treating cows inhumanely. So what we do, the smart paleo Mediterranean carnivore people or meat eaters, we try to buy local. We try to buy the grass-fed, the, the, the pasture-raised meat, the organic meat, the locally sourced meat, because then those cows are not in the processing plant being treated inhumanely. They're roaming the fields. I mean, that's where we buy a half of a cow every year. And I see the cows that we eventually purchase once the farmer takes them to the butcher. They're happy cows. They're out in the field. They're mingling with other cows eating grass. That's the cow that I eat. So no antibiotics, no hormones. I want to say no pesticides. I mean, maybe there's some pesticides on the grass that they're eating, but they're eating grass. They don't have their head in a box eating grain out of a barrel because they're at the slaughterhouse. They're out in the field eating the grass. So I know that would be a huge stent for vegans and vegetarians to move to. Although I will say this, I'm going to divert for a moment. I have one patient give her mad, mad props. Came to me, vegetarian or vegan, I'm not sure which, I can't remember. But we converted her. Now she's eating meat and she feels freaking fantastic because on her vegan diet or on her vegetarian diet, she was losing hair. She was losing muscle mass. And that's another section of the cons of vegan and vegetarianism connected to the low protein intake, the lack of animal protein that we see across the board. I mean, hair loss is just insane when it comes to that lack of protein intake. I always joke, I say, go to a Whole Foods. And in general, don't take offense if you work at Whole Foods and you have a full set of hair. In general, when you look at the workers at Whole Foods, and I, I'm, I'm totally stereotyping my experience at the Whole Foods in Pittsburgh. There's a bunch of hippies working there that are all vegans and vegetarians. And they look like crap. Their hair is all thin and frizzy and stringy. They have no muscle tone. They're either a skinny fat or they're overweight. And I just want to be like, how is that eating style working for you? I'm just saying you need protein. So can you meet halfway and maybe like, what if you added in a whey protein? Get away from that plant-based garbage. Does nothing but destroy your gastrointestinal tract. For God's sake, don't eat soy protein. If the only thing that you do is change from soy protein to the garbage plant-based protein that destroys your gut, that's an improvement. Now, if we can take you one step further and change you off of the plant-based protein that destroys your gut and move you to a whey protein or a collagen-based protein, maybe? Like what's wrong with bone broth? A bone broth-based protein powder. Bone broth is so good for you, for your immune system, for protein intake, for your hair, for your muscles, 
Can we add that in? It's just from the bones. And most bone broth, if you buy a good brand, just like buying a good supplement brand, you want to buy a good brand of bone broth, most of the time it is organic, grass-fed cows, not treated poorly in the slaughterhouse. Grass-fed, the ranging cows, like the, the happy cows. That's how we're getting the bone broth from high-quality sources. So you go with a high-quality company that makes bone broth, you are guaranteed happy cow bones. Can we meet in the middle or even not even fully in the middle? Can you move a little bit? Can you just move a little bit? Because we know that there's a huge health detriment to being vegan and vegetarian. Now, I said I was going to give you the pros and cons of these different diets. I can't give you any pros. Also, with vegan and vegetarianism, we see that the human gut microbiota starts to get all messed up because you're missing out on a huge amount, an incredible amount of good, beneficial bacteria for the gut. So we see an increase of gastrointestinal disorders such as inflammatory bowel disease, ulcerative colitis, Crohn's, IBD, diverticulitis, and colorectal cancer. All of those are increased from the vegan and vegetarian diet. Vegan and vegetarian gut microbiota profiles differ significantly when compared to that of carnivores. We're seeing bile acids, which are cholesterol-derived compounds that enable the emulsification of dietary fats and the intestinal absorption of lipids and lipophilic vitamins like vitamin D. And these bile acids also act in several metabolic and inflammatory pathways and alter the composition of gut microbiota. We see these are also lowered because you're not getting enough of the cholesterol-derived compounds. You're not eating the meat that contains the good cholesterol to make the bile acids. So now we see these vegans and vegetarians deficient in animal-based foods, messed up gut microbiota. Now they're not making bile acids, so you're trying to eat good fats, which you also need for healthy hair, for a healthy metabolism, for every cell in your body, because every cell in your body is made up of that lipid layer, i.e. fat, lipid, lipid layer. So without enough cholesterol, we can't synthesize hormones. Now this is all starting to make sense, right? Our cells start to suffer because we're not giving ourselves the good fats that it needs to protect the lipid layer of the cell. So what does that equate to in our body? Low hormone function. We already saw an increased risk of hypothyroidism with vegan and vegetarian diets. You already have the symptoms of low hormones and low thyroid function because you're losing your hair and you're losing your muscle tone. So you can't possibly manufacture enough testosterone. Oh, wait, your thyroid's a mess too. So that's going to impact your hormones. Low hormone function, low thyroid function is going to exacerbate every single symptom that you have that could be occurring on its own from your diet and your deficiencies, or it can be just occurring because your diet is causing that steep hormonal and thyroid decline, which then produces the symptoms in and of itself. 
Now, one more thing we can do to to help you kind of meet us halfway, bring bring you vegans and vegetarians over to the dark side, or at least the semi-dark side. You can do an omnivore diet, a plant-forward, omnivorous, whole food diet, as opposed to a vegan diet. Another study that we're going to put into the show notes entitled research shows vegan diet leads to nutritional deficiencies and health problems says that compared to the standard American diet of highly processed, low fiber, high calorie sugar foods, vegan diets do have some health advantages. So right. If you're eating like garbage, any kind of dietary change that adds in some whole foods, some fruits, some vegetables, is going to be a bonus. So whenever you're moving from processed garbage food into whole foods, protein intake aside, it's going to be, it's going to have an improvement in your health, hands down. However, researchers found that avoiding all animal foods leads to nutritional deficiencies in vitamin B12. Now that's a big one. I mentioned the other nutritional deficiencies like iodine, magnesium, calcium from the last article. This one is big, big, big. We know this. And most vegans and vegetarians do supplement with a B12 supplement because they know that this is a true deficiency. Omega-3s, again, we see the calcium, zinc. Iron is another one. So remember, low ferritin. I have a full episode on what low ferritin can do. Low ferritin will also mimic hypothyroid symptoms. So now you have low cholesterol, low bile salts, you can't produce your own hormones, you got hypothyroidism, all the symptoms that go with that, and you're anemic with low iron or low ferritin levels, and that's going to exacerbate all the existing symptoms that you already have, like hair loss and weight gain and muscle loss and all the things. These deficiencies may be associated with increased risk for certain types of cancer, stroke, bone fractures, preterm birth, and failure to thrive. Avoiding consumption of animal source foods may also be related to higher rates of depression and anxiety. Hair loss, weak bones, muscle wasting, skin rashes. Again, we see hypothyroidism and anemia are other issues that have been observed in those strictly following a vegan diet. <sighs> okay, I spent enough time there. Moving on to the next one we're going to do is Paleo. So paleo diet brings in the elimination of grains. So we know that a paleo diet is first and foremost, whole foods. It has a focus on good fats. We eliminate grains. It eliminates dairy. So it's eliminating the inflammatory markers, the inflammatory foods that many people do react to. So when we take out the gluten, the corn, Soy, dairy, all of that is fantastic. Paleo focuses on high quality protein. It also pushes people to obtain better sourced meats, just like the happy cows that I talked about. We want better sourcing, local food, organic. Focuses on a better whole food-based carbohydrate. So we're taking out the processed carbohydrates. Obviously, when you eliminate grains, that pretty much wipes out anything in a box. Now, there are some paleo foods out there that come in a box. Manufacturers have created for ease of use. It's going to be marked paleo on the label. 
not necessarily bad, but you have to flip that over and really look at the ingredients. Because the other thing that paleo does is it eliminates seed oils. But a lot of those manufactured paleo, air quote, foods have really bad seed oils in them. So you have to look at the ingredients when you're buying anything packaged that is labeled paleo or keto for that matter. So the good thing about paleo, it eliminates processed foods, eliminates seed oils. In taking out the gluten, the corn, the soy, the dairy from a person's diet, we naturally will see a decrease in inflammation. Now, the nice thing about paleo is that it does allow for carbohydrates. So this isn't a keto diet where we're dropping your carbs. You can still have abundant vegetables. You can have fruits. You can have sweet potatoes. You can have dark chocolate and still be on a paleo diet. Some of the paleo recipes out there are phenomenal. I mean, you can make paleo chocolate chip cookies with some almond flour and oh my God, they are the bomb. They're still gluten-free. So we're eliminating the gluten that we know acts like an, a trigger for an autoimmune attack of your thyroid. So when we're looking at Hashimoto's, and I'll say this over and over again, Hashimoto's, you have soldiers that like to go out and attack your thyroid gland. We know that gliadin, which is the protein molecule of gluten, looks like the molecular structure of the thyroid gland. So when you eat the gluten, those soldiers are going out and they're attacking that invader, that bad guy that came in, and then they're moving over and they're attacking your thyroid gland. So you're actually spurring on an autoimmune attack when you consume gluten-containing food. So paleo eliminates that, yay. In decreasing inflammation and in decreasing inflammatory foods across the board, Yes, the processed foods go out, but even when you get down to the nitty gritty of eliminating foods like corn and soy, we already talked about that earlier in its relationship to the thyroid, you're going to have a decrease in inflammation and you're going to feel better. Now, the cons of paleo, I cannot find actual studies like I found with vegan and vegetarianism that focuses on any major cons with paleo. Because how can you argue that eating good foods, high quality protein, good fats, not seed oil fats, but good healthy fats, how can you say that that's bad, right? The only complaint that I have personally, this isn't in a study, the only complaint that I have of paleo is that it does eliminate dairy. Now, this is very individualized, but many people do just fine on a high quality dairy, a grass-fed dairy, Kerrygold butter, grass-fed cheddar, organic Greek yogurt, the low lactose containing dairy, I think it's okay. And a lot of people really like that option in their diet to be able to incorporate in dairy. So that would be the only downside. And I have, I have an answer for that. That's gonna be the last diet that we talk about. So hang tight. The other con is that it, it can be overly restrictive and can be deficient in certain micronutrients. Now, this is when people get into a rut with paleo and they don't look at Google for paleo recipes. They don't expand what they're eating and they eat the same thing every day. Now, listen, I'm a fan of eating the same thing every day. You have to divert a little bit just to get some variety in your system. And that variety is going to improve your micronutrient and macronutrient count. Now, there's a caveat that I thought of when I was researching for this podcast. Most people doing paleo 
or carnivore. We're going to talk about that as well. You're already in a place where you're cognizant of your health, that you are actively working to improve your overall health. I truly believe that those doing paleo, those doing carnivore, you're taking supplementation, right? You're taking micronutrients that will supplement the possible lack of if you're eating the same damn thing every day with paleo because it's easy for you and you figured out what you like. You can take things like minerals. You can take a magnesium supplement. You can take your vitamin D. You can take your D, which you should be taking every day anyways. And you're, repl- and you're iodine. You're replacing those micronutrients because you're taking care of your body overall. I don't really see many people doing a paleo diet that literally take no supplementation. It's always combined. It's always combined. Moving on to the carnivore diet, there are many variations of the carnivore diet. There are full-on meat eaters, like literally like the pure strict carnivore is nothing but meats and organ meats. Then we have the group that kind of branches out and brings in eggs and will allow for dark chocolate. I like that group. I like, I like the dark chocolate group. Then there's even a group that says you can have honey. You can have certain fruits. So you kind of have to find what category of carnivore that you want to do if you want to try this. But we want to talk about the pros and cons. So the pros, decrease in inflammation and autoimmune antibodies are huge. And this is what I actually hear anecdotally from individuals who have implemented a carnivore diet and track their own health. Now, again, those doing carnivore are most likely a little bit more health-oriented. They've done their research. You don't go from eating McDonald's and Sheets food, which is, I know many of you don't know what Sheets is. Midwest, we actually have a come and go. Yeah, no, really, there's there's a gas station named come and go. Out east is Sheets. Many of you have Circle K out in the West. If you're eating their made-to-order food, you will resonate with me that I, I don't even think it's real food. It's some kind of Franken food and it might be worse than McDonald's. So if you're coming from that to carnivore, first of all, your body is going to go in shock, but chances are you're not doing that kind of drastic switch, right? Somewhere along the line, you moved off of the fast food into maybe eating some chicken and some meat and some broccoli and still eating a few processed food items then maybe you moved into carnivore. So you're going to decrease inflammation in your body. We see a reduction in autoimmune antibodies, all autoimmune across the board. There, again, we have that natural decrease in processed foods. We have the elimination of pesticides and chemicals because most carnivore peeps are eating high quality meats, the happy cows. They're incorporating in organ meats. Although that's another con, if you do carnivore and you don't incorporate any kind of organ meat, you're not getting that full array of benefits and you will be micronutrient deficient. We have the elimination of corn, soy, gluten, dairy, same thing as paleo and the elimination of FODMAPs, which many people are very sensitive to FODMAP containing foods. They have to do a low FODMAP diet. Carnivore has you covered there. The cons that we see that there are studies on include an increase in saturated fat. Now, saturated fat is not necessarily a bad fat. We know that polyunsaturated fat, the PUFAs, I always say PUFAs go poof, 
Those are your seed oils, polyunsaturated fatty acids. That's your corn, your canola, your soy. Those are the oils that we want to stay away from. Those are the oils that many restaurants cook with. Saturated fats, but your coconut oil, olive oil, not necessarily bad. In fact, very, very good. They are good quality fat. Although some of you have a genetic SNP where you can't tolerate a lot of saturated fats and your genetics tell us that. So we just have to back off. We don't have to eliminate with the back off. The carnivore diet would be a little bit higher in saturated fats. We also see a slight increase in LDL, but we really don't see a decrease in HDL. And then that whole cholesterol talk of what is high, what is too high when we're talking about fats and its relationship to your cholesterol breakdown of LDL, HDL, and then the ratios, what's good, what's bad? Just because it's flagged on your labs does not necessarily mean that's a bad thing. Total cholesterol used to actually go up to 300, just FYI, side note, used to go up to 300 before you got flagged high. Now it's down to 200. So at 205, you're getting flagged high and being told to go on a statin. Wrong. The other con with the carnivore diet is there is a possibility of gluconeogenesis. So all that protein that you are taking in can push over into glucose. So a lot of people who are doing carnivore and they're taking in 200 grams of protein because the majority of your diet is protein-based, protein and fat, too much protein can increase your blood glucose and increase your insulin in certain people. But again, I really think that you can find that happy medium. Now, when we're talking about keto, the keto diet, again, that has a ton of different studies on the pros of keto. So we see keto and Alzheimer's, keto and diabetes, keto and cancer. And they're all studies showing the benefits of a ketogenic diet because you're lowering insulin, you're lowering your blood glucose. I think keto finds kind of a nice happier medium than carnivore when we're talking about protein to fat ratios. And of course, you're keeping your carbohydrates low. With keto, you can do certain things like keto cookies, dark chocolate. You can have your little treats. Although I would give you the same warning of keto-based processed foods as I would give you for paleo processed foods. You want to look at the label. You don't want to buy it just because it says keto. Now, the downside of keto is that there's too much dairy. Certain recipes of keto, I mean, it's like block of cream cheese, a block of mozzarella cheese. What the hell is that? So with that, when we're doing too much dairy, we can see an increase in inflammation, skin conditions, mucus production in the sinuses. And a lot of people just don't tolerate dairy. There's a lot of studies that show that too much dairy can also push up autoimmune antibodies. So Dr. Peter Osborne, No Grain, No Pain, he goes, it. great book, great book for the layman. If you want to know how grain, again, the elimination of grain is in paleo carnivore keto, how grain affects the body, specifically with autoimmune conditions, read that book. He also dies into dairy and how that cross-contaminates and also affects autoimmune conditions. He dives into soy and how that cross-contaminates and also affects autoimmune conditions. So I told you I would end with the diet that eventually I will write a book on that I think is the perfect culmination of all of these. And that is Polito. 
The Paleto diet blends paleo and keto together. So it's taking the best of both worlds. It's taking the best of the paleo diet, everything that we just talked about, all the different pros. It's taking the best of the ketogenic diet. It's taking that dairy down a little bit. So let's reduce the amount of dairy, but still allow it. Grass-fed only, high-quality grass-fed organic dairy. And then let's over here with the paleo, let's take out some of the honey, dates, abundant fruit, those high glucose containing foods that can push up your glucose and your insulin and that aren't necessarily great for those with insulin resistance or diabetes. Now let's blend the two and we'll call it Polito. And yes, I will have a book on it one day. I promise you that. But if you just take those basic concepts that we just talked about and formulate a plan where you're reducing the amount of dairy, you're focusing on high quality dairy, you're getting one gram of protein per pound of lean muscle mass, you're focusing on good fats, you are eliminating seed oils, there's no corn, soy, gluten in your diet whatsoever, you take out the grains, you balance your blood sugar and your insulin, you nourish your hair, you protect your body, you give your body the cholesterol building lipids that it needs to synthesize hormones, and what better diet is there? You get to choose with all this advice that I just gave you, the pros and cons of each one. I'm a little bit biased, of course, to eating protein because I know the benefits of it. But at the end of the day, take this information and choose the path that is best for you. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I hope you loved it. And as always, if you would be so kind to leave a review, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, that would be absolutely amazing. I read all of them. Also, anything that you hear on this podcast is not intended to diagnose or treat any kind of medical condition. So we always recommend that you check with your medical provider, your doctor, your nurse practitioner before implementing anything that you hear on this podcast. And if you want to find out more about working together, you can click the link below in the show notes to book a discovery call. And there you'll be talking to a member of my team. They are an extension of me. They are amazing. And you and I will talk after that once we get you all signed up and you and I get to work together. All right, I hope to see you soon.